What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to True North Talk, featuring Peter Burnett and myself, Joseph Staten. And we'll bring you guys a really special episode today. Um, a couple different things we're going to discuss today, but the main point of today's show is going to be the topic of conviction and how conviction differs from condemnation. And we're going to look at the story of Jesus right before he departed this world um, when he was with his disciples and how he gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit and why the Holy Spirit came. And I kind of answered my question there briefly (laughs) in the intro a little bit, but Um, There's a lot of good stuff to this story, so we're going to be reading out of John 16, um, and we might even read a little bit uh, before the scripture that I pointed out, Peter, just to give some context and some overall overall view of the story. But yeah, we're going to be in John 16, so why don't we just go ahead and dive right into the scripture, Peter, and we can get into the discussion a little bit. Um, I know I sent you John 16, 5 through 16 for all our listeners, but... Uh, would you want to start at John 16, verse 1, and just go through 16? Yeah, I was thinking the same verse thing. 16. Yeah, I'll start with verse 1. Cool. All this, this is this is Jesus talking. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember what I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, another word here for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. Yeah, so, I mean, just first of all, overall thoughts on that, anything that stands out to you? I think this is probably the one of the first times, if not the first time in the scriptures that we see Jesus. I guess definitely it probably is the first time in this amount of detail that he talks about the Holy Spirit. And so I think this is a really good passage for people who maybe are new to Christianity or don't or aren't even Christians um, and are maybe interested in learning about it into um, one of the three people, one of the three beings in the holy in the holy trinity which is obviously god the father jesus the son and the holy spirit and so this kind of provides a look into who the holy spirit is and what i guess resources um or judgment he provides for us right i mean it's it's a introduction of sorts 
to the Holy Spirit. And like Jesus said um, in the scripture, he said, if I don't go away, you will not receive the Holy Spirit. But if I go away, you will receive the Holy Spirit. And before I go into that, um, what do you think, how do you think the disciples felt about parting ways uh, with Jesus here? I imagine, I mean, Jesus was at this point in time only in his roughly early 30s or so, and many of the disciples were that age or even even quite a bit younger. And so I bet, I bet, I can imagine a lot of them would be thinking, you know, what are you talking about going away? Are you going away just for, just for a little while? And even then I imagine they'd be even more confused when Jesus said in verse 16, in a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. I imagine they kind of thought this being like, oh, are you talking about you're going to some other place to, to do your ministry there? Um, you know, what are you talking about Jesus? Cause they, at this point, just based on other parts of scripture and just kind of my own interpretation at this point, their eyes were kind of close to the fact that Jesus would die and be risen again to life to obviously cleanse them and us of all our, all our sins. So at this time, like, yeah, they were probably confused when he said that he was going away. Um, and maybe maybe a little bit discouraged and disappointed as well because they thought you know you've been accomplishing so much i mean we're you know pretty deep into the the book of john here so he's obviously performed a lot of miracles he's taught a lot of very important truths um and given insight to to who god is and why jesus why he was sent to the world so yeah i, I imagine confusion and disappointment would be what the disciples were feeling Confusion and disappointment are are two really good ways to describe that. And my life group this week, we discussed this, and we were looking at this example of Jesus leaving his disciples, and we compared it in some ways. I mean, the, the opening question was, what's harder, leaving someone you love or someone you love leaving you? Hmm. Like, what would be harder? That was our opening question. And people gave different perspectives and people had different, I mean, very valid reasons for each of the perspectives. But I found that most of the examples in our life group about this question were tied with like heartbreak and breakups and those Mm -hmm. types of things. And it's, I think that is a good way to relate this to people. Because if you look at this story, there's two perspectives here. Jesus is leaving his disciples, but we often don't think about Jesus's side of this we're only thinking about the disciples because they're human beings like they're feeling probably sad they're probably distraught that he's leaving they're probably confused um they're probably hurt I mean they're probably worrying they're fearful of the future without him after they came to know him um right like all these things but there's also two sides to it because Jesus was a fully was fully man and fully God and you can only imagine God had been, you know, designing this perfect plan uh, of humanity in the world and Jesus to save us for a long, long time. And when he finally had the chance to be on this earth and be with us and to love us in person as a human being, I can only imagine how hard it was to leave his disciples. So it's, I think it's important to consider both sides of the story as we look at some of the 
the dynamics at play here. So, um, yeah, now that we addressed kind of the emotional toll here, and actually there is uh, verse 5, Jesus even said, none of you asked me, where are you going? He's like, I'm telling you this, and nobody even asked me this, but I'm going to tell you anyways. Uh, he said, because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. They were very sorrowful. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Um, so he's te- he's like, you're sorrowful, and none of you are even asking me these questions because you're so sad. I have so much more to tell you, but you can't even bear it right now. So like, he's even holding back when he's telling telling them about the Holy Spirit, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, so I'm, this is jumping out at me right now. I'd, I kind of wanted to get your perspective on this before I forget about it. But verse 12, when it says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. What do you think he was referring to when he said, I have many things to say to you? I think that would just be referring to the fact that we, we simply put have feeble human minds. Like we can't understand the intricacies of God. Like, Oftentimes, as humans, we even struggle to understand if if we're even designed to understand at all, which I don't think really we are, not in this life on earth. You know, like I mentioned earlier, the Holy Trinity, understanding how three beings are of one spirit, but they're also three spirits, but they're one is something that we can't really understand or grasp. Um you know, we have things in this world that we can kind of, that probably God put in this world to give us comparison to, um, like I know one is like the three leaf clover, like it's all one piece, but there's three different leaves or whatever of the clover. Um, but even that doesn't fully describe it. And I imagine, I mean, things like being able to understand that time just goes on forever and ever. Like we, we in our lives on this earth are so locked into there being limits in time and so i imagine things things like that and even things obviously that we don't come to our minds right now would be things that the disciples simply weren't ready for or even capable of hearing and understanding at the time Um, and maybe maybe even he's simply saying here you aren't prepared to hear you aren't prepared you know more than you can now bear you know he was like the disciples can't bear to hear that i'm going to be dying and leaving and then i will be raised again you know i imagine that would be something the disciples wouldn't be able to bear and so those are just a, a few things and again kind of it's it's kind of an open-ended answer here but things that probably we can't even uh you know think of right now yeah i mean those are uh absolutely true every single one of the things you said um and i was reading a commentary on um on this verse exactly here as I was preparing for life group this week and uh the things that Jesus he when he says I still have many things to say to you um the the commentary I read was saying that he was referring to basically the entire the entirety of the new testament that was still yet to come the mm-hmm. entirety of the revelation of god that had yet to come is what he did not tell them. And that's, I think that's kind of obvious and it's a very simple answer, but when you think about it, um, it, it makes sense because they, not only could they not understand it yet cause it didn't happen yet, but they were so distraught in this very moment that, and confused, like you said, that they wouldn't, they would not even receive what he was going to tell them. Um, and I can only imagine 
the the importance of including that scripture in this section of of the Bible is that when they went to go back and look at it, I can only imagine that they were like, "Oh, <laughs> okay, mm. that's yeah. why that was in there," and Jesus said it right to them. So that's um, <clears throat> a really cool section right there. And that that was actually out of out of order here for the plan for the podcast today, but that's okay. We still touched on it. So uh, going back to um, verse 8 through 10 ish mm-hmm. what did Jesus say that the helper was here to do or the Holy Spirit was here to do he was I'll read straight from verse 8 and then we can kind of dive into it a little bit more in the following verses but when he the advocate or the Holy Spirit comes he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment and then the next uh, three verses explain how the world is wrong in each of those areas Right, so verse 8, uh, when he said uh, he will convict the world concerning sin, um, do we need the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin? Like, can we be convicted of sin without the Holy Spirit dwelling in, inside of us? Well, my the way I've been taught and the way I've always understood it is that when we feel conviction, that is the Holy Spirit working on our hearts. And so I would say yes, right, but we do. You, okay, so think about... The Old Testament, right? So before mm-hmm. Jesus came, do you think any, you know, the men of the Old Testament, David, Joseph, um, Abraham, Moses, do you think they felt convicted of sin at any any moment? I guess I would say they would. So I, and the, the reason I would give for why they did is because they had a law. And I guess maybe, maybe even without the Holy Spirit, God is just placed in every human being saved or unsaved just kind of this understanding of certain things are just wrong. Um, and so I Amen. think yes, that's, that's whether that's the Holy Spirit or not, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's exactly what I was going for right there because, and don't feel bad either because that's this question myself when I was research, preparing, I was, I didn't know how to answer it myself. And it's actually um, in verse nine or sorry, verse eight, uh, when it says he will convict the world concerning sin that one little word sin and that and that sentence has been highly debated as to what's that what is that referring what that is referring to excuse me um uh and a lot of scholars think that that one singular word is is referring to the greatest sin of all which leads to all the other sins and that is the sin of rejecting Christ mm-hmm. and that sin is the one that the holy spirit will convict us of um not to say that um it's true that like you said, human beings were given a conscience. We don't need the Holy Spirit to feel convicted of sin, but we need the Holy Holy Spirit to convict us of rejecting Christ, mm. and um, and that is why He sent us the Holy Spirit is to to convict us of that sin. And there's other reasons as well that we'll get into. But um, do you remember what the end of this passage, how it ended, the word that was used, um, talking about the the prince of this world? Yeah, real quickly, I just wanted to touch on the the sin again. Um, verse 9 says about sin because people do not believe in me. So that, I just wanted to add, that kind of backs up your point about the ultimate sin being rejecting rejecting Christ. But then, the to answer your question, the final three words... Uh, it's actually, guess, it's it's not the very end of this entire passage, but it's at the end of verse that 11, paragraph. Right. Yeah. It says, uh, the prince of this world now stands condemned. Right. So what is, in your opinion, how would you classify like conviction versus uh, condemnation? 
That's a that's a great question. I would say conviction is like we've kind of talked about, just kind of like this poking on your soul, um, whether it's by the Holy Spirit or just kind of quote unquote morals, um, which I believe kind of are God breathed into each of us, anyways. Uh, that's that's conviction. While condemnation is like when somebody is an exa- to use an example when a con when a uh, criminal is condemned to die. That means that they are. You know, there's no, there's no way out of it. They are, they've been judged and they are kind of, you know, there's no going back now. They are going to uh, experience the punishment because of whatever they did. Yeah. My pastor, when he was preaching on this a few weeks ago, said that conviction is a prerequisite of salvation. Hmm. Um, and the Greek word of conviction there, like the Greek root of that word, it means to convince of the truth. That's what conviction uh, means there to convince of the truth. It's the Holy Spirit convincing us of the truth of God's word. Um, and the Greek of condemnation um, is found 12 times throughout the Bible, but it's it oftentimes like refers to death or the second death or a judgment sentence. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, but that's a stark difference because would you agree that uh, a lot of times Christians like to take things in their own hands and condemn others almost i definitely and, and make them would say feel that can, sentenced themselves yes and i would say that's that's why we that's a big part of why we see a lot less people um at the very least even interested in faith and oftentimes see people even despise uh christians and christianity as a whole i would say yeah 100 percent yeah, I'm looking at uh, John 5:24 here. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. So even in that, well, I mean, the context of condemnation is the second death, hell, eternal punishment. That's what condemnation is. Um, and Peter, do you want to read, could you pull up Romans 8, 1 real quick? Yeah. It's just going to give us some more, some more context on the the difference here between conviction and condemnation. Uh, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, back to what I was saying, you would agree that Christians like to condemn others publicly, sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, I would question so, how close those Christians are in their relationship to God because they're doing something that's not advocated by God. So, so what would you say? And this is a very big question. I'm not. I don't even think there's necessarily a right answer. But is it our job as Christians to convict or condemn others? Not if we're not in the right place with God ourselves. And I would say definitely never to condemn somebody. I guess unless you're a judge and then that kind of gets into intricate details because, you know, they're in that position to make judgments on human laws. But I don't think anybody should be in the place to judge, to condemn other humans when it comes to, I guess, spiritual matters. Um, but then to 
convicting, I think, and we've actually, we talked about this in one of our first episodes about kind of respectfully and righteously, you know, letting other Christians know and maybe they're going down a bad path or making a mistake and how to make, make sure that you let them know in a, again, a respectful and the right way. Um, but we can only do that if we're convicted and in the right place ourselves. So I think it starts with us, you know, individually being like, am I in a close relationship with God? Am I connected? Um, and then if you are and you feel convictions yourself, then you, I would say, are in a position to help other people. Again, not to condemn them or to say, you know, you're an, you're an idiot for, for doing this, but just kind of being like, you know, how are you doing in this area? And then that can kind of lead to, to hopefully that person then being like, yeah, you know what? I probably should be doing better. So that's that's what I would say for that. Right, and I, I kind of want to give the answer that my life group gave this week as we were discussing this. And we'll see if, if we can if you would agree with that and we can kind of reach a, a, a solution here to this question. It's a very difficult question, but in life group, what we kind of came to the conclusion we came to was that in the, it's a different, it's a different answer in the church setting versus in the world with unbelievers and believers. Cause if with believers, there are Bible verses about church discipline within a church right. and making sure that sin is called out and that sin is not allowed publicly in repetitive uh, and a repetitive uh, nature. So in the church, we kind of came to the conclusion that it is okay, and it's honestly it it's necessary to not necessarily condemn, but to expose or call out sin in a respectful manner to somebody who's doing it. Well, see, uh, I would s- just I would say that's conviction, though. Unless you're going to ex- ex- go a little bit further into what you're saying. Well, you could frame it even in that way, where you might go to somebody and say, "Hey," um, in a respectful way, you know, "Hey," uh, you know, I see. I don't want to pass any judgment. I'm not trying to come down on you, but I see you're doing this or something happened here. Maybe present some scriptures and say, I just encourage, encourage you to pray about this and, and ask God, you know, con- to convict or to show you maybe uh, what's going on here or something like that. As opposed to, and this is even a bigger question. And we're going back to this again. The condemnation versus conviction is can unbelievers even grasp the purpose of conviction or feel conviction without the truth of God's word and and the Holy spirit inside of them, because if they can't even understand or feel that conviction, then why will we ever try to condemn sin that they won't even understand is wrong? Um, Mm. in, in fact, Jesus instructed the Holy spirit to convict Christians. So if anything, and and this is my opinion here, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree, but I, I think with unbelievers and we are, when we are seeing sin in the world, maybe in our friends, or people we know, or just people we interact with, coworkers, etc. We might not want to condemn the sin itself before describing uh, the gospel and the, and why Jesus came to save us, and simply praying for that person to be influenced by the Holy Spirit so they can understand why what they're doing is wrong and that they can feel the conviction that Jesus told the Holy Spirit to give us. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would 100% agree with that, especially the the last part there about praying for the Holy Spirit because, again, kind of like you were touching on... Non- I mean, practically uh, speaking, can they even feel it without the Holy Spirit? That's the question. Probably not, and honestly, a lot of times um, non-believers don't even want to hear it. If you try to tell them they're doing something wrong, 
they'll say, well, yeah, but I'm entitled to, to do what I want. You know, you do you sort of mentality. So I think it's, it's, it's our place to be an example where people can be like, you know, what's, what's different about this person. And as Christians, we should in, in the opportunities that are presented, bring up, you know, like, like Paul said, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have, you know, always be able to be ready to, to witness to, to non-believers. But I think passing judgment or conviction or condemnation should be reserved for fellow Christians because they are going to feel that conviction from the Holy Spirit anyways. And so they'll be more uh, acceptable to that kind of conviction. And if they are not feeling conviction after a sin is clearly presented in the word in a respectful manner, as Paul writes, and I, I fully, I'm pretty confident it was Paul that wrote about church discipline and the, and the way to go about that. But if it is done in that manner and that person continues to refuse or continues to not feel convicted of that sin, then it, then it comes down to a question of is that person saved in the first place? Yep. But... um. Yeah, I mean, I think that this scripture here could change our perspective on how we talk and how we witness to other people, especially those that are unbelievers. Um, because if we think that we can just say, oh, you're doing this, and you should stop doing this. You know, like, um, you're having sex outside marriage, and that's terrible, and it's God says not to do it, and you're going to hell because of it. Like, nobody's going to listen to you. They'll never want to like, no- talk to you again, yeah nobody's going to even care about what you're saying. So I think it's necessary that that person understands not only the gospel, but what, what does sin even mean? What is the definition of sin? What like the, the bare bone basics of the Bible and the gospel are complete, or I think are necessary to get through to somebody like that. And I think we should pray that the Holy spirit should speak to and open the eyes. As God said, I have, you know, hardened the heart of, he hardened the heart of Pharaoh. He hardened the heart of certain people. Um, mm. And they cannot see the truth because he covered their eyes. And we need to pray that God uncovers the eyes of the unbelievers, that he speaks to them and that his spirit would, would speak to them. Because nobody's outside of the grace of God. Absolutely nobody. Right. Um, and this, you know, this kind of goes back to one of our older podcasts. I think we talked about um, kind of the brevity of life. And how our life is, you know, but a vapor on this earth. Yeah. We've um, talked about understanding that. Probably on a couple podcasts now, yeah. Yeah, but just the importance every single day. If we love somebody mm-hmm. in our lives, if we have friends, uh, we really need to be in prayer with, you know, with God, you know, just laboring every day for those people that the Spirit would get through to them. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I fully believe... You know, again, you can you can kind of add to this, Peter, or you give me your your, you know, your input on this. But I think sometimes with certain people, you really can only plant a seed, and um, it's not necessarily always about preaching every single time you see somebody, but just planting that seed and living in alignment with the gospel and letting that truth speak through you through your spirit, having joy every single day in your life, loving others, serving others, serving your community. Um, being a servant. I mm-hmm. think that sometimes that is the best way to witness to other people. Um, and just praying that the spirit would open the eyes and speak to speak to others. I'm not sure if you have anything to add there, Peter. 
I would just add back to another a podcast that we had on the uh, predestination versus free will is that we never know who the people are that God has designed to be saved or unsaved. And so, yeah, it's just all about witnessing in, in the ways that we can, again, whether it's if we feel like a person is, you know, we've had good conversations with them before and we feel like they're ready to just straight up hear about the gospel and you tell them, or if it's just being an example by the way that you live um, and just by being friendly and kind and compassionate to, to that person, you know, whatever the case may be, we just need to be to be ready to to give an account for why we believe what we believe, and that then can lead to to get back to what we've been talking about that conviction. Then, you know, once you're able to witness like that, then you can also be like have more of an opportunity to help somebody who maybe you know is dealing with a a sin. Right, and I think also some an important um, thing to keep in mind when we are giving an account, like you're saying, is that it is the Holy Spirit through us giving an account. Right. It is Jesus Christ through us giving an account. And I think a lot of times people have um, fear and they worry about not being able to speak clearly or articulate the gospel effectively or succinctly, you know, to other people. And I think... Um, understanding that it is the spirit through us speaking should take that pressure away. I mean, every Mm -hmm. time that I um, am in a situation where I know I'm going to run into somebody that that needs to hear about God or they're looking for God, or if I'm, you know, leading a Bible study with my friends or whatever it is that I am, I have responsibility with God's word. I just, I give it up to God. I say, Lord, please speak through me. Like allow your spirit to speak to take my words and um, get them across in a manner that speaks to others and wakes something up inside their soul. Um, but I, it, it, like I said, I think that takes pressure off of the job that we have as Christians to witness. Um, but yeah, and, and kind of just to top this whole conversation off, I want to read First uh, Corinthians 2, 6 through 16. Uh, This is about the Holy Spirit again and its role. So, Verse 6, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But, as it is written, What no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one, for who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 
So, again, verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. We need to pray. (laughs) Simply put, we need to pray for others that are not saved, that their eyes are open and that the Holy Spirit influences them. Um, but yeah, would encourage everybody to read over the scripture that we presented here tonight. Um, Peter, I, did you have anything to say? Sorry, I didn't mean to, to not, uh, ask for your input there, but just from that scripture, I just read any other thoughts on that. I kind of just underlined everything I was saying before, but there was kind of a lot there. So, yeah, I think it's, it's just a great passage to share, you know, who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit is really a bridge to the other two members of the Holy Trinity, God, the father and Jesus, the son in all those different ways that, that you listed out there in, in that passage, it kind of, again, it's just kind of the playbook for, you know, or the scouting report for who the Holy Spirit is. I would say it's a really good passage for that. Yeah. And I, um, I don't want to get too personal here, but uh, just a question for our listeners and people to relate to. Um, what are some, like, do you have any areas that you feel like you've seen the Holy Spirit been moving recently in your life that that has influenced uh, the way that you live your life? Any habits that God has changed, um, you know, as you pray and, and read his word every day? Like, how has the, the Holy Spirit influenced you personally? I would just say kind of overall in my life kind of staying away from maybe places or people that I know are only going to lead me to make mistakes um you know I stay away pretty much from from drinking alcohol I stay away from from partying and just kind of living that that lifestyle that so many people so many people especially around our age in this world live and it's just the holy spirit kind of nudges at my heart to be like you know those are those are things that you should avoid and even if maybe you you know don't have quote-unquote fun and again that's very fleeting fun anyways um you know even if i'm missing out on some things that a lot of other people are doing i i know that in the long run it's going to benefit me more than doing those those things do for people in in the short term yeah, it reminds me of the the fruit of the spirit uh, scripture in Galatians um, five nineteen. The acts of the flesh are obvious: sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is here on earth, guys. I mean, it's. We are living in the kingdom of God. I mean, Jesus established his kingdom the second he resurrected from that cross. Um, so not only were you, will those people not inherit eternal life, but they will not inherit this, the Holy Spirit, which gives them the ability to discern, gives them peace, gives them um, wisdom and guidance. Uh, as it says here in Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, um, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Mm. Since we live by the Spirit, let us step in. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. So, yeah, I mean, I would I would agree with what you said. Um, 
some you know areas of my life uh, we were just talking on a phone call before this podcast um um personal example is that i used to listen to some music that wasn't the greatest i never really got terrible with my music peter and i know you know you could probably vouch for me on that i've always been kind of at least aware of what i was listening to um but my friend asked me this week he was like hey man you listen to that new uh uzi album and i used to be a somewhat of a uzi vert fan so i was like uh no i didn't listen to it bro because i kind of stopped listening to that music as time has gone on and i've uh, i would say i've grown hopefully in my faith I've cut out most music that's not great. Um, but I gave the album a listen this week, and I'm not going to lie. It was pleasing to the ears. But I hit, I hit a certain point where it was like, <laughs> I just don't <laughs> gain anything from this music anymore. I don't relate to the lifestyle. I don't relate to the lyrics. I don't relate to what this person is preaching. And it's so, it, you know, that's one little thing. But um, the Holy Spirit will change your heart if you fully pursue God and if you, uh, read every day, as much as you can, I'm not going to sit here and say I read every single day. Cause there's days sometimes where I miss, I'm not perfect, but, um, yeah, I mean, if we, if we submit ourselves to Christ, we'll grow. And that's one little example. I'd say the music I listen to, I would say, uh, even some of the content I consume, you know, some like Peter, we were just talking about impulsive too, a podcast mm-hmm. that, that, Peter and I have, you know, liked listening to at points in time where um, I'm sure somebody listening knows what impulsive is. Hopefully <laughs> we might have a listener base of 70 plus if they don't know what it is. But, you know, stuff like that, it's like you you have to measure out is what you're consuming, you know, life giving or is mm-hmm. it life taking the opposite? Right. Because it is one of those things. It's one of those things, and if it's not one, it is the other. I mean, that we do know that, that you're either with Jesus or you're against him. And I think um, a good question to ask yourself, too, is, is this something that is going to fulfill me in the long run, or is this something that's going to, you know, make me happy for a day or maybe a week or even a month, but will leave me empty after? Yeah, and I think it, I think too, based on what you said there, if we ask ourselves before we start any action, am I doing this for selfish ambition or anything like that, or am I doing this action or am I making this plan in alignment with the will of God? Mm-hmm. I think if we enter any action we take or any plan we have with that mindset of asking God, Lord, your will be done in my life, please show me your will, please God, what I'm doing here and make every decision we can. Um, with the Holy Spirit at the forefront, I think we generally tend up uh, tend tend to be okay from that decision. Um, but yeah, well, and if, question, if we're asking ourselves that question in the first place, then it means we're probably in a good good spot, anyways. Again, there there is more that still needs to be done after you ask yourself that question. You have to make the right decision too. But if you're asking yourself that question, then you're probably going down the right path. Uh, like everything else it, it's from the heart i mean is your heart in the right place because you could you could mutter a question out loud and walk into a bar on a friday night hmm. lord you know please your will be done and then go get drunk in a bar <laughs> i don't think that's asking it with the right intentions no so, uh it makes it it makes yeah, it seem and, almost and, like a checklist then like right before you do something wrong you're like 
Lord, let your will be done as I, you know, commit this sin. You know, it's that's that's not the way to live. <laughs> right. His will's gonna <laughs> or be, be like, oh, uh, you or be like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna forgive me anyway, so I can just do this. You know, that's not that's not how it works. Can you imagine, bro? Can you imagine saying saying that and doing something like that, and then you die in hmm. the action, and then you like wake up in eternity, and you're like, are you serious? Hmm. Oh my goodness, that's got to be the worst feeling ever. I mean, I'm sure any anybody who thought they were a Christian and they wake up and they find out they really weren't, I'm sure that's probably the way they felt was like, wow, hmm. I really messed that up. Yeah, that's but definitely a dark way to think of it, but that's sometimes what it takes, you know, for, for people to realize, oh, you know, maybe I'm not in the right place. And if the important thing is you realize that here, you know, be like, I'm not yeah. in the right place spiritually while you're living this life. Because again, to get back to a point, I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we both have, have this mindset because when, when you're young, like we are, it's easy to think, Oh, I still have 50, 60, maybe 70 years left. But like we've talked about life's a vapor. So if you're, you know, for our, for our listeners out there and, you know, even for ourselves, just for conviction of ourselves as Christians, you know, if, if you're not in the right place with God, whether that means you're not even saved, you've never made that decision, or if you're just kind of falling away and no longer close to God, there's no better time than right now to ask yourself that question. And so that would, I think that would right now really be my strong encouragement to everybody listening is if, if you're already saved, ask yourself, am I, am I living like somebody who really is saved? And if you're not, be like, you know, why, why am I not saved? And, and maybe if you want to reach out to either of us, you know, we always share these podcasts. you I mean, probably where most of these people hear it from is from our socials anyway. So feel free to reach out to either of us with any questions that you have. And we're definitely willing to help. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point. Um, being young Christians in this world we live in today, that's geared completely towards sin and and mm. selfishness and the world. I mean, it's a, it's a vast, in my testimony, I, I described feeling like I was in a vast sea of worldliness. Mm. You know, I was a Christian in the middle of the, just an ocean of people that hated God and had no regard for God. And that's how it can feel sometimes as a young Christian. And that's, um, you know, I, I, thank God. And I'm very thankful for our friendship, Peter, you know, uh, yeah. having somebody to lean on. Um, we've had, we've even had some moments where, you know, we will hold each other accountable. Um, we've had situations where, you know, sin was at our fingertips and, you know, mm-hmm. we offer, you know, say, Hey, if you need to call me at this time, I don't care what time it is. If it's three in the morning <laughs> to stop yourself from doing certain action, call me. And yep. that's priceless. But I think for young Christians, um, that's so necessary is having community and having, having, having friendship that, you know, with very solid Christians, because mm-hmm. if you don't have that and you're trying to make it in this world, like you're saying, Peter, and you don't go to a Christian college and you don't go to church and you're going to you know college and all you see is people around you doing these behaviors, you're going to feel lost and you're going to feel like, there's not even a point to what you're doing, you know, like if you're abstaining from partying and, and sex and drugs and all that, and you're not pursuing the Lord fully 
and building friendships, you're going to feel like, why am I doing this? Hmm. You know, cause you're not going to, you're, you need to, <laughs> you need that, um, brotherhood just yeah. to, to be frank. You need well, that. And like, like you talked about kind of the, to use the allegory or whatever you were, you were talking about being in a deep sea, um, you know, sometimes you need a, a hand that you can reach out to when you feel like you're sinking. Right. Yeah, me and me and Pete, we're on this we're on a little lifeboat in the middle of the sea, but at least we're <laughs> we're not on our own. Yeah, and we're not we're, we're not sinking know. like a like a certain coach might be right now. <laughs> <laughs> you have to throw the the Mel Tucker reference in there. Wow. <laughs> I thought you were going to get that right away with the sinking. There. I thought you were going to get that right away with the sinking when I said that. But you, you you teed that ball up for me when you said in the deep sea. <laughs> I had to go with that. <laughs> Bro, where's Tuck? Tuck sinking? Tuck sinking right now. <laughs> uh, we, we love – I'm sorry, but, I mean, Michigan and Ohio State fans are basking right now in the glory yeah. of – it's it's the Spartan one thing we can agree on too. is is disliking our little brother there in East Lansing. Well, they're Ohio, they're Michigan's little brother, but to Ohio State, I mean, what are they're nothing like? Bro, yeah, maybe a cousin. It's just yeah, a little little cousin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but before we before we wrap up though, I I do want to um, end this on a on a positive and um, a note that we can that people that listen to this podcast can take this and use, take something from it to use in their own lives. So the mm-hmm. last thing I want to end on is how can we take this conviction that we feel? Um, what action can we take from that, from the Holy spirit, you know, to prompt ourselves to grow uh, in our relationship with God? Like what, I mean, I'm, I misstated that it prompts us to grow in our relationship with God. If we do what we should do with that conviction, but what can we do when we do feel that conviction from the Holy spirit of a certain sin or a certain behavior, like how can we take that and use it for the good? And there's no wrong or right answer here, but it's just kind of your opinion. Well, I would say it, it, that leads to us avoiding those, those wrong situations and making those same mistakes again. Um, and just, you know, a good way to do that is, you know, then, after going to, you know, praying first, then maybe going to, you know, for, for me and Joe, I would imagine it'd be going to one or the other or, you know, talking to, um, our life group or, you know, any of those sort of things. And, you know, I would say that's kind of the next step then. And then once you've done both of those things, you know, you'll feel that nudging by the Holy spirit and you'll feel that, you know, encouragement or, convicting words from from a friend or um you know if you're if you're blessed with having a family too who's very spiritually strong then you have those people who can kind of help you through that process because again it's it's pretty difficult to do those things near nearly impossible to do those things on your own um when you feel that conviction to to get through that so yeah i would say that's kind of the next the next step when you feel that conviction on your heart yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with everything you said. I think that's a good way to sum it up. Um, if there was anything I'd add, I would say that understanding that conviction is not condemnation. It's not a sentencing. Yep. 
Um, it's not, you shouldn't dwell on it and, you know, that, and it becomes guilt and shame, you know, use conviction as a tool, use it as a spurring point to, um, uh, to push you to take action. Uh, use it as a tool, but be really careful. Use it as a tool, but be careful with how you use it. So you don't stab or and hurt yourself. And that's when it would, when it would be condemnation, I'd say kind of a right. good, and a we good know that there's one thing there. we, we can always do, um, there is a right answer always, and that is to seek the Lord. And mm-hmm. if we use our conviction to seek the Lord and read his word and pray and seek him through our community and through our church, nothing bad can come out of that. Absolutely nothing. So just, I think the key thing here is understanding the difference between conviction and condemnation. Um, mm-hmm. Romans 8, 1, we're not condemned as Christians. Uh, Jesus came to free us from that conviction and to lead us to a, a life of righteousness and peace and self-control and faithfulness and joy. So... Amen. But Peter, do you want to uh, wrap us up here in a word of prayer? Yeah. Cool. All right. God, I want to thank you just for another great conversation that obviously is spurred and led by you um, between me and Joe here on the podcast today. Thank you that really our, our conversations that are, are good to have anyways, I pray that they're also a benefit to people who are listening um, I pray for, for me and Joe and for everyone who listens, um, that we would, that for, for those of us who are Christians, that we would feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit whenever we're in a situation where we can make a mistake or maybe after we've made a mistake, God, that we would understand that that's from the Holy Spirit and that we also would make sure that we don't feel condemnation and guilt and shame because of that, because that's that's then from from our adversary who hopes to make us feel like we can't can't come to you god um and i pray for those who who aren't christians who have listened to this today i pray that they would feel a, a i guess pulling towards you god um and towards just understanding who you are and what you provide to to our lives and again lord i just thank you for for an incredible discussion today um, between me and Joe. And I pray that this would touch everybody who, who hears it today in, in Jesus name. I pray. Amen. Amen. Good stuff, bro. Good stuff. I hope everybody took something away from this podcast. Uh, as always, we always encourage everybody listening to read this for yourself. Don't take our word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, read and weigh and pray and present these things before God. These are tough questions. These are um, tough things to consider, but uh, we owe it to ourselves, and we need to constantly be refining our walk as Christians. Um, yep. And yeah, we are grateful for everybody listening. So thank you if you tune in to episode 21 to the end here. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please like and rate the podcast. Share it with anybody who needs to hear this. And with that being said, we will see everybody next week. Peace out. Peace.